Well, this week we find ourselves in the crazy part of the story of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're headed toward Easter, and, and so far we have covered the triumphal entry of Jesus coming into Jerusalem and declaring himself, if you will, the Messiah by riding in on the donkey. He, he's flipped over the tables in the temple. He instituted Lord's Supper by celebrating Passover with his disciples. That was Thursday night. And then as we look at this week, as it continues, he's going to go into the Garden of Gethsemane, which we talked about last week, and he prays, and his disciples are asleep. And, and then the moment happens. The, the crazy guy, Judas, shows up on the scene. I mean, Judas, isn't it, doesn't he just capture imagination? Uh, aren't most of us curious about this guy? I mean, he, he kind of comes on the scene, flashes in, flashes out, and just a few years ago, he was all the talk, all the rage as the gospel of Judas, this Gnostic gospel came up and, and made its way into history and, and online books and the Da Vinci Code and movies and everyone was talking about Judas. So today we see that he's going to do the deed. He's going to betray Jesus Christ. It's, if we're looking at the time, it's Thursday night moving into early Friday morning, Jesus has just prayed in the garden, and this is what happens. Let me read it to you in Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 43. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12, suddenly arrived. With him was a mob with swords and clubs from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. His betrayer had given them a signal. The one I kiss, he said, He's the one, arrest him and take him away under guard. So when he came, he went right up to him and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. And then they took hold of him and arrested him. And one of those who stood by drew his sword, struck the high priest's slave and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to them, have you come out with swords and clubs as though I were a criminal to capture me? Every day I was among you teaching in the temple complex and you didn't arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. And then they all deserted him and ran away. Speaking of the disciples. Now a certain young man having a linen cloth wrapped around his naked body was following him and they caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth behind and ran away naked. Crazy passage, isn't it? I told you, this is where things get crazy. I mean, this moment sets off a ton of events. Matter of fact, there's probably five sermons tucked in this passage alone. Think about it. I mean, we've got Judas showing up and giving Jesus Christ a kiss as if to signal this is who to arrest. I mean, Jesus says it himself. He goes, I've been in the public. You know who I am. You know where I'm at. You could have arrested him at any time. But Judas goes up and, and kisses him. This, this amazing act of loyalty and transgression all at the same time. There's the other part of it where why in the world would you show up to arrest Jesus Christ with shackles, a sword, and clubs? 
Don't they realize Jesus has cast out demons? Don't they know that Jesus has told a man who was paralyzed from the neck down to get up and walk and he did? Don't they know that Jesus has raised people back to life like they were dead and came back to life? Do you really think that handcuffs are gonna work? Do you really think your sword is gonna do anything? I mean, we could preach on that, right? I mean, you, ho- you have the whole deal where the disciples run away. That's worth preaching. And then you got the whole deal of some guy streaking through the garden, right? I mean, he's going there. He's got a linen cloth on. He's fixing to be arrested. We don't even know who he is. He's so scared that he takes off running in full shame. He'd rather be in shame than be associated with Jesus. Lots of stuff to cover. But I want to focus in on Judas. I want to focus in on the deed, the betrayal. Matter of fact, if, if most of us were to name one word for Judas, that's what we would say. He's a betrayer. He's a traitor. He's the guy who betrayed Jesus. Let's take a look at it in verse 44. I want to draw your attention to it. It says, his betrayer, Jesus' betrayer. That's how Judas is, is marked out. Now, over the last couple of weeks, as I've been studying these passages, and Judas has come up several times I got to looking at the word betray. It's actually an interesting word. It's the word paradidomai. Paradidomai is, is the word for hand over. Literally, that's what it means, hand over. So Jesus, or Judas here, is the hander overer. That's weird to say, right? But that's what he is. He, he hands Jesus over. Now, what makes this even more complex is the fact that there actually is a Greek word for traitor. It sounds very similar to paradidomai, but it's prodidomai. It changes the prefix. And changing the prefix takes it from handover or the one who hands over to the one who betrays, the one who is a traitor. You might think, golly, can a prefix really change the meaning of a word? Yeah, think about it. In our English language, we have the word receive and deceive. The the sieve part is the root word. And then you have re and de. And depending on which one you use, changes the meaning entirely. And that's what we have here. Now, all of that linguistics to point to something even stranger with the word. 33 times in the New Testament, we have Judas mentioned either with the moniker of betrayer or his deed being described as betrayer. And 31 of those 33 times, it's the word paradidomi, the idea of hand over. Only one of those times is it prodidomi, the idea of a real traitor. And the other time, it's a really unique word used in Acts for guiding to arrest. So the reason I tell you that is because I want us to look at Judas, maybe instead of thinking him as the betrayer, I want us to think of him as the one who hands over. Now, as I say that, I want to be very clear here. Even though the word and the the verb idea of handing over is neutral in and of itself, I want to be clear. Judas is doing something wrong. This is a bad action. It is clearly a, a traitorous action. It, it's, a, it's a betrayal. We know that. But I want to focus on the word as a first century reader would have seen it. So let's just go through really quickly and 
and point out a few. So for example, let's look at Matthew chapter 10, verse four, as Judas is introduced in this gospel, it says, Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. There it is, paradidomai, the idea of handing over. Let me show you another one. This one here is in uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 48. As he describes Judas, he says, but Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? Betraying is paradidomai. Are you handing me over with a kiss? What about in the gospel of John? John chapter seven, verse 71 as he refers to Judas, he says, he was referring to Judas, Simon Iscariot's, uh, uh, Simon Iscariot's son, one of the 12, because he was going to betray him. There it is, same word, hand him over. Or what about in John chapter 12, verse four? He says this, then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, paradidomai, hand him over. Now, I wanna specifically spend our time in Mark. So let's just go back a little bit and work our way through and see this because Mark is actually gonna make this really clear for us. So back to the beginning, Mark chapter three, verse 19. What is Mark trying to do when he introduces Judas? He says this, he says, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him, that's the word paradidomai, handed over. Then later, when Jesus is going to announce his death, burial, and resurrection, he's going to predict it in Mark chapter 9, verse 31. Listen to these words. For he was teaching his disciples and telling them, the Son of Man is being betrayed, handed over into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and after he is killed, he will rise three days later. That's the first prediction, betrayed. Word is paradidomai, handed over. And look at it in chapter 10, verse 31. Or excuse me, verse uh, 33. He says, listen, we are going to Jerusalem. The son of man will be handed over to the chief priest and the scribes. There it is, paradidomai. But this time they decide to translate it handed over instead of betrayed. I want you to see where our translators are having a little tricky time with this word. He goes on and says, and they will condemn him to death and then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. Jesus is gonna be handed over twice. There it is, paradidomy. This, this idea that we typically see as betrayal, here it is translated handed over. Let's keep working our way through Mark. We, we get to some more recent Times. Mark chapter 14, verse 10, some things we've just preached on in the last few weeks. It says, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to hand him over to them, betray him, paradidomy, to, to hand him over. There it is, same word. Or, or what about the next verse? And when they heard this, they were glad and promised to give him silver. So he started looking for a good opportunity to betray him. But the exact same word in the previous verse was, hand him over. It's crazy, isn't it? I think Mark is trying to draw our attention to something. Let's take a look at chapter 14, verse 18. 
He says this, while they were reclining and eating, Jesus said, I assure you, one of you will betray me or hand me over one who is eating with me. And then all the guys are like, no, it can't be one of us. It can't be one of us. And then we know what happens from there. Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He prays. And then we just got through reading uh, Mark 14, 44, where it says his betrayer or the hander over her kissed him. And then we can just keep on working our way through the passage. I mean, take a look at um, chapter 15, verse one. It says, soon as it was morning, the chief priest had a meeting with the, the elders and the scribes and the whole Sanhedrin. And after tying Jesus up, they led him away and handed him over to Pilate. Pilate. The, the idea that he was betrayed or handed over. I know these are a lot of verses, but I, I want you to see just how clearly it is that Jesus is being handed over. It's not just the idea of betrayed or as we work our way through, there's gonna be even more. Chapter 15, when, when Jesus is gonna be brought to Pilate and questioned and Pilate's gonna wrestle within himself, should I really crucify this guy? Doesn't look like he's done anything wrong. In verse 10, Pilate says this, for he knew it was because of the envy of the chief priest that had handed him over, paradidomy. Or maybe in verse 15, then willing to gratify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. After having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. It's a crazy word, isn't it? I mean, think about this. We typically think of Judas as the betrayer, but over and over again, the word is clearly hand over. What is Mark trying to do? What is he trying to help us to see? As Jesus is being handed over from, the, from Judas to the, the Sanhedrin and the chief priest, as they hand him over to Pilate, as Pilate hands him over to the guards to, to beat him and then to crucify him. I mean, this, is a, this isn't just the betrayal. Something else is happening. You see, if you're a first century reader and you're, you're reading this, I'm not really sure you're thinking of the word betrayal. I think you're thinking handover. I think Mark's trying to draw our attention to something. See, I think Mark's trying to show us that there is gonna be a significant shift in the life of Jesus. He is going to go from the subject of every verb to the object. I mean, in the first 14 chapters, Jesus has clearly been in control. Jesus is the subject of nearly every verb. He is the subject when he teaches. Jesus heals. Jesus touches. Jesus rebukes. Jesus breaks bread. Jesus calms a storm. Jesus is spitting. Jesus is touching. Jesus is praying. Jesus is even reading minds. He's complete control. He's, he's very active. He is completely running the show, if you will. And then all of a sudden, Jesus goes to the object. Isn't that what you do with something that needs to be handed over? You hand over an object. You hand over something that can't do anything for itself or won't do anything for himself. 
You see, Jesus now was fixing to be the, the object of, of all of these verbs. Very rarely do we see him as the subject throughout the rest of Mark. And I think that's what, that's what Mark's trying to help us to see is Jesus is moving from an active role to more of a passive role. He's gonna be handed over. Listen to this as Jesus is the object of these verbs. In Mark chapter 14, verse 64, it says this, you have heard the blasphemy. What is your decision? This is that midnight trial with the Sanhedrin and they, they're looking to finally nail Jesus down to have a reason to crucify him. And they all condemned him. There it is. They condemned Jesus. He's the object. Then some began to spit on him, to blindfold him, to beat him, saying, prophesy. And the temple police also took him and slapped him. I mean, there's just two verses. Do you see how much Jesus is now the object? Taken, beaten, mocked, slapped. Something drastic is happening here. I mean, not only that, but when you, you take a look at some other times in the life of Christ, I mean, in, in Mark chapter 15, verses 16 to 24, listen to this. Then the soldiers led him away into the courtyard. They dressed him, verse 17, in purple robe, twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on him. I mean, Jesus is the object here. And they begin to salute him. That's mocking, right? They kept hitting him on the head with a reed, spitting on him, getting down on their knees. They were paying him homage. They were mocking him. Do you see it? I mean, Jesus was no longer doing this. This is being done to Jesus. And when they mocked him, they stripped him of the purple robe, put his clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not a literary genius at all, but I, I mean, it is clear. Mark is drawing our attention to this. And he's doing it not only with the fact that Jesus was the subject of every verb and now becoming the object of it. And he also did it by showing this word, hand it over, hand it over, hand it over. Hand it over early on to let us know that's what Judas was gonna do. Even Jesus himself predicted and said, I'll be handed over. I'll be handed over twice, he said. And then when Judas shows up, doesn't call him a betrayer. He really calls him a hander over. The guy who's gonna hand Jesus over. He's the object now. But really, why is that important for us? I think it's important for us is because Jesus is gonna be the object of pain, suffering, mocking, denial, death, he is going to be subjected to this as he is the object of ridicule and hate. The object of frustration, he's gonna be the object of wrath. There's a serious shift here. And it's really the shift that we celebrate this week, even as we gather together on Good Friday, all of us to, to remember this is our Jesus. The Jesus who went from the subject to the object. And he didn't just do this 
for no good reason. He did it for us. He became the object for us. So as I, as I was looking at this, I, I began to become intrigued as to why this word, paradidomy, would, why would it show up like this? I mean, all throughout the New Testament, you can see it used to hand over something positive or negative. Paul uses it to say he handed over the gospel. He also uses it to say, I handed over someone to Satan. So clearly it's, it's, it's just a neutral term. I think maybe this phrase, this term handed over, maybe it began to mean something in the first century. So much so that they didn't just see Jesus as one who was betrayed and one who died, but they saw him as one who was handed over for us. Let me show it to you and, and you'll make a decision for yourself. Romans 8 31. I mean, this is, this is one of these stalwart passages of the faith. He says, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? And then look at verse 32. He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? You've probably heard those words before. Romans 8 is, I mean, it's one of the greatest chapters in all of scripture. And you get in verse 32, he offered him up. And if you're following along, you probably recognize that that word there, you guessed it, paradidomy. Really means he was handed over for who? For us. He became the object for us. I wonder if Paul's using that word here as a, as a phrase of the first church that recognized Jesus as the handed over one. He was handed over by his own father. That's what the text says here, right? Let me show it to you again in another really famous passage. Galatians 2 says this. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. <laughs> you might be guessing it right again. There it is. Handed over himself for me. Became the object for me became the object for you, for your sin, for your shame, for our failures, for our lack of faith, for our discretions, for our disobedience. He became the object. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, allowed himself to no longer be the subject of it, but to be the object, to not be the one doing, but to be the one done to. That's what this week is about. And as we come to Friday, Good Friday, it's not just that Jesus died. It's that Jesus allowed himself to be handed over in humility for us. 
How hard is it for us to hand ourselves over? How hard is it for us to get in a place of submission and humility and to let go of control? Can you imagine Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, fully man and fully God, allowing himself to be the object of pain and death and suffering for us? And just one more. Can I show you one more? Because I think it's the coolest one. Look at these words in John chapter 19. As Jesus is hanging on the cross, he's been flogged and made fun of and beaten, stabbed. And when Jesus received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. You guessed it, paradidomai. He handed over his spirit. Just in case we think maybe this was all done to Jesus without his control, he willingly did this for us. Matter of fact, in John 10, he says, no one takes my life from me. I willingly lay it down, or in this case, hand it over. So as we work our way to Easter, Sunday's gonna be an amazing day because Jesus Christ is gonna conquer that death. He's gonna conquer pain. He is gonna conquer suffering and he is gonna come out of the grave. Before we get there, maybe we need to spend some time thinking about how Christ was handed over for us. How he was handed over for me and how he was handed over for you. So as we think through the rest of the week and maybe just for a few moments after this, you just spend some time confessing, telling the truth about yourself as we recognize this is what he was handed over for, for us. Let me pray for us. Oh, Lord, I thank you for your word and I thank you for just how you inspired Mark to, to have this, this word handed over, come up over and over again in the passage. And, and then how he shifted his writing to show us that Jesus is the object. Almost, almost powerless. Completely relinquishing control and he did it for us. He endured this for us. He, he was handed over. I can't even imagine going from person to person to person just as somebody who had done something wrong, yet he had done nothing wrong. As I think about Good Friday, as it's approaching, and I think about Easter, Lord, I, I just, I'm overwhelmed that you would you would send your son, Jesus Christ, to become the object for us. The object of pain we deserve, the object of death we deserve, the object of your wrath we deserve. Thank you for sending him. Help us to reflect on that. Help us to, to say thank you. Help us to worship you. Help us to honor you. And then, Lord, as Sunday's coming, I pray that we celebrate 
that he's the subject again. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.